Well, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Come on and give the Lord a great big hand of praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are exceedingly glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why? Because God is great and he is greatly to be praised. Oh, yes, we've come to worship the Lord this morning in this sanctuary. As we continue to regather, the saints of God are in the house this morning, and you're in your house. So wherever you are, why don't you give God the praise that's due his name? Hallelujah! Oh, bless his name. Hallelujah! My God, my God, my God. God is great. What an incredible God. What an awesome God. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before your presence this morning with thanksgiving. Grateful for the God that you are. God, you are so good. Your mercy is everlasting. Your truth endures to all generations. And right now, God, we thank you for another day's journey. God, you didn't have to do it, but we're standing here so glad that you did. You didn't have to wake us up, but we're standing here glad that you did. You didn't have to keep us clothed and in our right minds or even bring us here this morning, but God, we're glad that you did. And so with everything that we have, we're going to give you the praise that's due your holy and your righteous name because we declare and decree this morning, God, you're the able God. You're the able God. There's nothing too hard. The virus isn't too hard. Politics aren't too hard. Nothing is too hard for our God because you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's working within us. So God, right now, by your spirit, anoint this sanctuary. Anoint these musicians. Anoint us that we will give you holy praise, wonderful praise, glorious praise, incredible praise, anointed praise that is due your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Do you believe God is able this morning? Do you really believe God is able this morning? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. We're going to get this virtual choir along with these live musicians, and we want you to stand and continue clapping your hands. Go ahead and share this with your, your friends and family because God is able.
us a blessing to be in the house of the Lord one more time because it could have been the other way. And thank God by his grace and mercy that we are here today. Our, our scripture come from the book of Matthew, the 17th chapter and the 17th verse and the reasons following. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and preserved generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. May the Lord bless the reader and do of his holy word. Let us pray. O oh, gracious Heavenly Father, dear God, we come this morning giving you thanksgiving. Father God, first of all, we want to thank you for your darling son, Jesus, who hung, bled, and died on carry for our sin. But most of all, Father God, we thank you that he rose with all power in his hand. Father God, I come this morning, Father God, asking you to bless the old Father God, the lost loved one. O oh, Heavenly Father, I ask that you, you would... Heal their wounds, O Heavenly Father, spirit, O Heavenly Father. Lift them up, O Heavenly Father. O Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for the sick, O Heavenly Father. O Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just bless those, O Heavenly Father, that don't have a home, O Heavenly Father, they're homeless, O Heavenly Father. Yes. Father God, I pray this morning, O Heavenly Father, and thank you for all that you have done for mm. me and my family. Father God, I thank you for my church family, my, O Heavenly my, Father. My. O Heavenly Father, I just ask that you continue to bless our pastor, O Heavenly Father. Continue to strengthen him, O Heavenly Father, that he will lead your people as you yes. have us to go, yes. O Heavenly Father. Yes. O Heavenly Father, I pray that you will bless the preach word this morning, Father Do God, it now, that it might say some lost soul, O oh, Heavenly Father. O oh, Heavenly now. Father, I pray and thank you for your grace and your mercy, O oh, Heavenly Father, name. which have kept us, O oh, Heavenly Father. Mm. Dear God, I pray that you just go with us throughout this day. Keep your arms of protection around us, O oh, Heavenly Father. These are all blessings in your Son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. 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 Greetings to you, my Father's children, to all who are with us in person, to all who are watching online. What an awesome God we serve and what an awesome time we are in right now in this time of worship and praise. We're going to continue in our worship and praise through our giving now. We know uh, that we continue to give as God has so prospered us and so blessed us and God has been so good to us. Amen. The faithful God that he is. Has anybody gone without? Has anybody gone without? Amen. You, you gone with, but did God make a way? Did God open the door? Did God make sure, watch this, that you may not have gotten everything you wanted, but you got everything. I wish I had two or three witnesses in here. Everything that you needed. Why? Because he is able and he is the living word. Amen. We want you to give as God has so prospered you to do so by any number of ways that are on your screen this morning. Also, for those of you who are here this morning, if you want to give in person, I want to remind you to do so uh, by dropping your offering in the basket. Uh, but however you give, whenever you give, make sure you do so liberally and cheerfully. Why? Because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He is the living word. Bread of heaven sent down from glory. Many things you were on earth, a holy king, a carpenter. But you are the living word. Sing out. Sent down from glory. Many things. But you 
are the living word. Say it again. Bread of heaven, sent down from glory. Many things you were on earth, God. A holy heart. But you are the living word. Awesome ruler. Gentle redeemer. God with us. Say it again. Awesome ruler. Gentle But I call him Jesus, Jesus. That's what we call you. Major boy. You died to save.
Jesus, 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 Mm, that's what we call him, no other name, Jesus, 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 I wonder if you know him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I know you got your mask on, but you can say it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sing it in your heart. Say it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I love that name. Jesus, Jesus. Anybody know him as a savior? Save, save. Did he save anybody this year? Save ya. Oh, he brought you through stuff you didn't know you were coming through. Save, you save, save. What's his name, y'all? Jesus. Oh, save, you save, ya. Late in the Jesus, 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 oh, healer, 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 healer. I wonder if he healed anybody here.
thank you for the gifts that were raised. Father God, that would uplift thy kingdom. Oh, heavenly Father, bless those that gave and those that have not. These are the blessings, Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. about that name, Jesus. Mm. I, I, need to, I need to bring my mothers in this house for just a minute. I, I feel a mother, she, she would be in our house right now and say, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Y'all do that, y'all do that. have any announcements this morning from the okay god bless you amen amen i'm sorry i just got carried away in that praise amen listen we do want to congratulate we want to congratulate um the 50th year graduates from jackson state university amen 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 we have three from k chapel who celebrated that 50th year graduation, Elnora Cropper, Verdi Martin, and Stanley Blackman, that historic class. Amen. Can we just salute them this morning? Amen. We congratulate you. We stand with you. We know what you went through. We know what you've been through. And thanks be to God, you're still here. Continue to tell the story. Amen. Continue to tell the story. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. My God, listen, we're moving on. We're going to get to this next selection. My God, I don't know if y'all can... Whew. I kind of feel like preaching. I hope y'all feel like receiving. 
Amen. Y'all pray, pray for the preacher. We're going to get ready for the word of God. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's move forward.
moving forward, going forward, even as we come back, we are challenged and charged to move forward. Amen. As we regather, we should come to this place with new conviction, new passion, new motivation, new spirit. Somebody said, and I hope they wasn't telling a tale. They said, Reverend, when I get back to church, I'm going to shout. <laughs> I guess they weren't in this crowd. They weren't in this crowd. <laughs> but they said, I'm going to shout and I'm going to run all over the place. I ain't seen nobody shout or run, so I'm assuming they didn't make this 75. But we thank God. For the spirit that is here, the spirit that is present, spirit that says, thank you for what we've been through. Thank you that you've guided us and yet are guiding us. And we as a people and as a church are moving forward. Matthew chapter 17, verse number 17. These words are recorded. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I I want to talk from the subject this morning when Jesus gets tired of the church. When Jesus gets tired of the church. A couple of years ago, the words of a six-year-old boy from Oakland, California went viral when with microphone in hand at the front of the church as the congregation waited for him to recite the few lines from his Christmas speech. This little boy with as much passion as he could muster in his little body with a scowl on his brow declared, I'm tired of this church. He handed the microphone back to the lady who was trying to get him to say his speech, marched back to his seat, leaving the congregation in utter disbelief. While that kindergarten statement was the source of for many laughs and comic relief on social media, the reality that there are a lot of people who have wanted to say 
what he said. A lot of folk who are at home watching right now who feel the same way that little boy felt. I'm tired of this church. Some folk, don't get me wrong, they love the church, but tired of some of the things we do. Y'all might as well say amen. Tired of some of the ways we act. Tired of some of the foolishness we carry on. Tired, tired of church folk and tired of church gossip and tired of church hypocrisy. Tired of the church doing the same old thing the same old way with the same old folk. While some of us have never said it, with our mouths. We have said it with our actions. Some of us have formally removed ourselves from the number and some of us have simply started disassociating ourselves from the fellowship and some of us just simply go missing in action because truth be told, we wouldn't say it, but we tired of the church. Now, the typical, typical response of the church in such instances is to put blame on the one who has the audacity to articulate the concern. We suggest that there's something wrong with them and not with us. We defend ourselves and we defend our programs and we defend our ministries and our traditions and our facilities and our personnel and our policies and our ways of doing things. And we put the onus back on the individual who had the audacity to articulate the concern or make the charge or point out the problem. But what do you do when Jesus says the same thing? Because that's essentially what happens in this text. Listen to him again in verse 17. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? You hear in the words of Christ a kind of exasperation, a depth of frustration, a sense of exhaustion. You hear him saying, I'm tired of this church. And to be clear, for Christ to utter these words is no small matter. Remember, it is this body and this institution, the church, that excites the very heart of Christ. Scripture refers to the church as Christ's bride bride for which he is returning to claim and call unto himself. It is this body, this bride, this ecclesia that claim the attention and the affection of Christ even as a child. He grew up in and around the church or shall we say the temple. He understood the traditions of temple and the practices and the tropes of temple language and he gravitated towards this place, this sacred space of God and God's people with great intent, great motivation and great purpose. Even, even, even at the age of 12. Remember after Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus to Jerusalem to uh, celebrate the Passover feast. They leave going back to their home and discover after a day's journey that Jesus is not with the family. They return to Jerusalem looking for three days for this child. 
And when they find him, they don't find him on the playground. They don't find him in the blacksmith shop. They don't find him in any places of government. They don't find him in any venues of entertainment. They find him in the temple. And when Mary dares to question him about why it took him so long, he says to her, did you not know? Why did you make this, watch this, the last place you came to? Did you not know that I would be about my father's? Why didn't you come here first? He loved the church. He loved the space where the spirit of the Lord dwells when, when he is ready to begin to begin his earthly ministry. He does not call a press conference at the town center. He does not invite people to meet with him by the seashore, but it is at the temple where he declares, after reading from the scroll of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. After he reads that and wraps it up and hands it back, he sits down and says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. He loved this place. But you don't hear that in this language, in this text. Rather than the language of love, you hear the language of long-suffering. How long shall I be with you? How long must I suffer with you? In modern-day English, it would be said like this. How long do I have to put up with y'all? He grew tired of the place he loved. At first glance, you might think it's strange that Jesus would vacillate between love and long-suffering, but upon deeper reflection, perhaps that is not nearly as foreign to any of us. Often it is the case that that which we love most and that which we care about the deepest also brings about the most angst and the most anxiety. Those whom we love most oftentimes create the biggest issues in our lives, cause the deepest hurts, bring to life the worst juxtapositions through which one must navigate. Surely you know something about getting tired of folk you really love. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me in here. The neck that you long to hug oftentimes is the same neck. Wish y'all would talk to me in here. It's love and long suffering. I love you, but I got to put up with you. Jesus in this text shares and opens up about the reality of the frustration of dealing with folk that he loves, the place that he loves. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? When you look at this text, I believe there are a few things 
that contributed to Jesus' feeling of weariness with people he actually loved. First of all, Jesus grew tired of the church because he grew tired of their ineffectiveness to minister in relevant ways to real needs. He grew tired of their ineffectiveness to minister in relevant ways to real needs. Put this verse in its context and remember what just happened here. A man brings his son to Jesus. The son suffers from epileptic seizures. According to the father, this son would throw himself into the fire when he really got out of control of his bodily functions. As a result of the convulsions and the uncontrollable behaviors, this boy would harm himself. But before the father brings the son to Jesus, he first took him to Jesus' disciples. These disciples, in a sense, represent the church because they will be the first ones in the book of Acts who will preach the resurrection of Christ. They are the future church to whom this father brings his son. And they could do nothing to help this father with his son. There was a real need in front of them, but they were inept. They were ineffective, which to some degree meant that for those who needed them, their ministry was irrelevant. Because if you can't help me, what good? If, if your ministry doesn't meet a need that I have, what are you here for? And I know you might argue that there are some cases that are beyond the church's reach and there are some problems that are outside of the church's scope or even our ability to do anything. But what Jesus saw was a situation and previous situations that were well within the wheelhouse of what his disciples could and should have been able to handle. There was another instance. In Matthew 14, when the disciples were unwilling to meet real needs, when Jesus had been preaching all day long and, and, and it was getting dark and the disciples came to him and said, Master, it's getting dark. Why don't you give the benediction? Because it's getting late and these folk are getting hungry. Give the benediction so they can go in town and buy them something to eat before all the stores close up. And Jesus looked at them and said, You feed them. Why? Because he says there's a need right here in front of you and rather than you shirking it off to somebody else, you tend to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus saw in those whom he loved something that bothered them. He saw something that irritated him. He saw something that needed to be changed if they were going to be the bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. So when Jesus says here, how long must I be with you? The exasperation that you hear comes from a pattern that he has seen of his people who are being willing to look at need and do nothing about it. To be aware of issues and remain silent. To understand situations and simply let well enough alone. And Jesus said, I'm tired this church a church that will look at need see it in its face and do nothing about it I'm tired of this church 
There's something else I believe Jesus grew tired of, and that is, secondly, their willingness to stay in convenient spaces. Their willingness to stay in convenient spaces. This is something else that Jesus had experienced with his disciples, that they, they didn't mind, watch this, staying comfortable and convenient. When, when Matthew 17 opens, this chapter from which the text is taken, Jesus takes with him, in the very beginning of this chapter, that inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John. He takes them on top of a mountain. And there they saw Christ in a glorified state. We call that experience the Mount of Transfiguration. While looking upon the glory of Jesus, there also appeared on that mountain Elijah and Moses. A glorious event indeed in that you have the law of God represented by Moses and you have the prophets of God represented by Elijah meeting with the son of God. So here, so powerful was this moment that Peter declares of it, it's good for us to be here. Now had Peter stopped there, Reverend Harris, everything would have been all right. But he went on to make a suggestion to build three tabernacles. He says, let's build one for Elijah, let's build one for Moses, and let's build one for you, Jesus. And in Peter's mind, he's saying, we could just stay up here forever. Get out, watch this, praise on. What better church than to have Elijah, yeah, as the deacon and Moses, yeah, as the preacher and Jesus as the son of, what, what better church? He said, let's just build us something and stay up here. Jesus saw a willingness on the disciples' part to stay in convenient and comfortable places like the mountaintop, even at the expense of those who were waiting on their return down in the valley. Jesus said, you want to stay up here when folk are in the valley who need you? I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of seeing people who know what it means to struggle to be able to come up to the top for a while and as soon as they get up to the top, they forget about folk who down in the valley. I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of folk getting access to abundance and then wanting to lock it up for themselves and block others from getting in on the blessing that they got. I'm tired of this church, tired of seeing folk who know that the Lord opened doors for them, but suddenly they want to close doors from other folk and, and want to tell them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps when you know if the Lord had not been on your side. I'm tired of this church. Jesus, Jesus confronts such attitudes, such coldness, such callousness. He says, I'm tired of church folk. 
acting like everything they got is because they're so good. I'm, I'm tired of church folk acting like they don't know but for the grace of God. There they would be. I'm tired of church folk looking their nose down upon others thinking that, that because they've been so bad and you've been so good that you are where you are. I'm tired of... This church. Can I go a little bit deeper? Jesus saw their willingness not only to stay in convenient spaces, but also to remain in uncontroversial situations. Stay with me. One day, remember it's in John's gospel, John chapter 4. The text says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. For Jesus to go through Samaria was not a need of travel routes, but rather it was a need of ministry and relationships. Jesus chose to go through Samaria. The time when Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other, Jesus chose to take himself and his ministry right there. He intentionally went there and to make matters worse when he got there he begins a conversation with a Samaritan woman disciples catch up with him they're already uncomfortable because they're in Samaria but then they see him talking with this woman the text says in John 4 that these disciples, when they saw him, that they didn't say anything to him, but that they marveled that he talked with this woman. I believe that says something about the cultural and the social and the controversial spaces that Jesus was and is willing to engage while churches just sit back, say nothing, and marvel. Jesus is willing to go where the church has no stomach or no heart to minister. Jesus wants to be where the church has no interest showing up. Jesus wants to engage those who the church has no desire to disciple. Jesus wants to save who the church has no passion to draw. Jesus wants to speak to situations that the church would rather ignore for the sake of not making any enemies or making any statements. Jesus wants to not play it so safe. When the church is very comfortable doing just that. Jesus wants to have conversations with people about things that the church doesn't want to talk about. And Jesus says of such churches that would rather stay on the sidelines, I'm tired of this church. A church that won't move the needle on human relationships, I'm tired of that church. A church that will allow human suffering to continue. A church that will not address gender discrimination. A church that won't speak up for the oppressor. A church that will let systematic racism exist without challenging it. A church that will not that will see injustice and yet remain silent. A church that will see inequity and just keep on reading scripture. A church that will see uh, the family disintegrate before our very faces and do nothing to repair, restore, or reclaim such families. Jesus says, I'm tired 
side of the church that avoids real conversations that people are dealing with. Sidesteps issues that people needs answers, need answers to and will not give the kind of compassion to confrontation that says to people, while I don't condemn you, I will say to you, go and sin no more. There's something else. You had not figured it out yet. You ain't going to shout on this sermon. Something else I believe the scripture reveals that really caused Jesus to become exasperated with the church. That is, number three, their thoughtlessness of their ministry to children. Their thoughtlessness of their ministry to children. You'll find in scripture various moments where Jesus is found defending and embracing children. Matthew 19 an encounter is described where children are brought to Jesus for him to put his hands on him, pray for them, and bless them. And the text says that the disciples rebuked them. I don't know if the disciples rebuked the children or the parents who brought the children. But whichever the case, Jesus rebuked the disciples and said to them, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus defends the right of children in the presence of adults. And that was a huge statement because that was at a time when children had no rights. Children were to be seen and not heard. Children were in many instances seen as mere property. But Jesus gives them dignity by giving them access to him and saying to his disciples, you must be thoughtful about how you reach and what you teach children if you make children feel like they don't matter those children grow up into adults who then search for affirmation in any kind of way they can find it think about how you reach and what you teach children if you teach children that they have no voice those children will grow up into adults unable to advocate for themselves Think about how you reach and what you teach children. If you teach children that church only values them when they are grown and can pay their tithes, then don't be surprised when they grow up and say to you, I'm tired of this church. I think what grabbed the heart of Jesus and caused such exasperation with his disciples was the fact that these disciples were not really so much concerned with the state of that child as they were with their inability to perform. Look at what they say to him. They don't ask, how do we get this child healed? They say, why is it we couldn't do anything? Why couldn't we, watch this, not why couldn't we heal this child? Why couldn't we exercise this demon? Y'all missed that. Jesus is looking at the child's suffering and they are looking at their ability to perform. And Jesus grew tired of their misplaced priority and their focus. Rather than looking at the child's condition, they were asking about their power. Rather than having a heart for the child's condition, their focus was on their capabilities. They were more concerned about what they could do rather than what they did do. And that caused Jesus to grow 
weary. Here's the point. I'm wrapping up here. Here's the point of this entire message. The church of Christ must be found bringing the Lord glory and not causing God grief. We got to ask ourselves an honest and earnest assessment. Do the things that we do really bring God glory? Because here's the truth of the matter. If the church brings grief and weariness to the Lord, then you better believe it certainly does to people. If the Lord gets tired of the church, you better believe folk have already gotten tired of it. I believe there are a lot of people outside of the church today simply because they got tired of it. The church and its inconsequential antics, the church and its irrelevant programming, the church and its impractical scheduling, the church and its insufficient ministries, the church and its unproductive meetings, 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 meetings. I know this is the kind of sermon that church folk don't want to hear. Because the church has an image of itself that we don't like to have challenged. We have a concept of ourselves that we don't want confronted. We have an idea about ourselves that we're all right. And if people don't like us, it's their problem and not ours. But at some point, we have to have an honest conversation about why so many people have strained relationships with the church. Probably won't finish this sermon. But I pray that I've at least put something on your minds. But if folk, if people grow weary of the church, maybe the church has some homework to do. Maybe there's some critical assessments and conversations that the church needs to have with itself. Watch this, where we aren't so quick to defend ourselves, but actually hear what people really think about us. I can't invite church folk to that conversation. Because we'll be quick to tell folk, well, <laughs> but at least let's declare this morning, Pat, that it is time for the church to move forward. Moving forward means that we've got to think about what really will meet the needs of people, watch this, who really need the church. People who really need what we have to offer. God put this institution under our stewardship for us to care for it. 
but for us to also make it a place of healing and hope for those who need it most. I believe this, and I'm through, that more than ever before, people need what the church has. Make no mistake about it. I believe, watch this, I'm through, but I believe that's why Jesus in this text, verse 17, he finished that text up by simply saying after he, after he talked about his exasperation, he said, bring the child to me. He said, bring him here. I'm, I'm, I'm tired, he says, of, of what, you, what we're doing. He said, but watch this, that child needs what I have. Bring him to me. Which means ultimately, the church has the answer. We just got to get in a position where we can get past the stuff that oftentimes gets people and keeps people from getting to Jesus. I'm through. But my soul is happy. I'm finished. And I believe God is calling us to be that church that brings him glory and that brings people hope. That church that causes him to look at it and say, that's my bride. These are my people. That church that, that people say, I'm a part of it and not because my mama went there. Not because my grandmama went there, but I'm, I'm at this church because it feeds my soul. It nourishes my spirit. And, and what we do here, you need in your life. Let the church say amen. Let the church God has spoken. spoken. Let the church. Let the church say amen. I'm through, y'all, but can I get a witness? Let the church say amen. Let the church. Let the church. Everybody say amen. God has spoken. Let the church, let the church say, say amen. That sound mighty good. I wish the church would just say amen with us. Let the church, let the church say, say amen to what is plans are. Let the church to what is words says. Church. Say, say amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The doors of the church are open. <laughs> Let the church My God. say amen. If you're here and you want to be a part of a church, Let the church say a church that strives amen. to minister to real need. God has spoken. A church. Let the church that strives to be intentional about ministry that it offers. I can't promise you that we're perfect. But we might be the perfect church for you. I can't promise you that 
You won't at some point declare, I'm tired of them folk. But I can promise you that you will experience real fellowship. You will experience somebody who will hold your hand and pray with you and pray for you and, and be there for you in the tough times and the dark times. I promise you that. So if you're at home and you're looking for that kind of fellowship, there's a number on your screen. You call it now. If you're here this morning and you don't have that church home, you're invited to come wherever you are, whoever you are. Why don't you say amen in your heart right now? Amen simply means so be it. Let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be done. Hey, let the church. Let the church say, say amen. Everybody say. Let the church come on. Say amen. God has spoken. God bless you. Won't you stand? Let the church say amen. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you. Now henceforth and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hallelujah.